0: If you can make a change you make it and then you trust God and if you can't then you just trust God and you can't change anything but the key is is either way you're still trusting God in the journey. And that's part of what this is. Which one of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? None of us can. What I always like to tell people is that worry and fear does not change my situation. It changes me and my situation. It changes my ability to see what God may be doing in the midst of it all.
1: Do you freak out when something unexpected happens in your life? Is your first response to think of the worst possible outcome If so, Pastor Daniel's telling you in his teaching today to stop that. That's not how God wants you to respond to unforeseen events. God wants you to trust him. This is what Pastor Daniel will be talking about today. He'll be using passages from the Sermon on the Mount to show what Jesus has to say about fear and worry. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 as he continues his message, Winning the Battle Against Fear and Worry.
0: And so Jesus puts the same thing. He throws the gauntlet down because he knows, Jesus knows people. He knows what's in our hearts. Oh man, be generous. Oh yes, you can't serve God in money. And then someone's bound to say, but then how am I going to survive God? And Jesus says, therefore, (laughs) do not worry. And that's what he says. Do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink. Jesus just kind of cuts it. He knows what the issue is going to be for people. If I'm generous, if I have a good eye and I see people in need and I try and help them and I'm generous, how am I going to put food in my belly? How am I going to put clothes on my body? And Jesus says, don't worry about your life. And then he starts unpacking it for us. Now, it's easy to think It's easy for Jesus to say that. He doesn't understand what I'm going through. And you got to realize that 2,000 years ago, life looked a lot different than it looks today. Right now, you go home. I'm pretty sure you have some sort of a contraption that you plug into a wall that keeps things cold. And there's stuff in there. Even you young folks, man, Obadiah was like, hey, dad, I'm like, what's up, bud? He's like, can I get me a mini fridge for my room? I'm like... No. Because I was a dude in college with a mini fridge. You know what you call that? A science experiment. <laughs> you know how that works. There's like 87-day-old pizza in there. I'm like, no. It's like, there's a fridge downstairs, buddy. I'm like, why would you want a mini? It's like I'm always thirsty. I'm like, I know. You just walk down the hall to your faucet where water comes out. So you go home, there's something to eat. Now even, I remember when I was a professional musician, before I'm the regal person you see before you today, and I remember like I lived in a house with two other buddies, we all played music together, and even on our worst week, you could at least make a condiment sandwich, right? It's like, it's like there was some bread, there's some ketchup, some mustard, some mayo, and you could survive on that stuff. I did for a long time. You go on in there, there's like like, because you know, it would always happen. Like one of your family members would show up, and they would see like these three dudes living in squalor, you know. And they'd be like, "Oh man," they'd go buy some canned food, you know. And I mean, you come back, there's like a thing of tuna fish or something, or some beans or something, you know. And you can and you could always just put that thing together. But two thousand years ago, they didn't have an ice box. They can just go home and be like, oh man, I ordered a foot long from Subway, but I should only really eat six inches of it. So I'm just going to stick it in, I'll save it for later. No, in that culture, it was hot, it was dry, there was no electricity, There's no microwave. You ate what you got. I mean, earlier in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is like, give us this day our daily bread. Because literally, they were praying in the food for the day. When the fishermen would go out and they couldn't catch fish, nobody ate, in times of famine, it's extraordinary the day and age in which we live. When it's wintertime here, you can still get fresh fruit like it was in a tropical climate. Or you can get like coconuts from Hawaii, and they freeze them, and then they bring them over, and you can get like you're living in Hawaii with some Hawaiian coconuts. But there, if it wasn't grown there, it wouldn't survive to make it there. There's no planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, and then not only is that about just the food side of things, I always joke, you ever see that meme? Jesus is like giving out the free bread and be like, hey, I'm gluten-free, I can't eat that. <laughs> Five loaves and two food. I'm a vegetarian, I can't eat that. And I'm not knocking you, those of you with dietary restrictions or preferences, you're allowed to have them. But back in the day, if you had dietary restrictions or preferences, you died. <laughs> because you couldn't say, I got the gluten-free bread here, it's so good. You know, it's like it's like. The culture was so different. And then, as it relates to clothing, they didn't have wardrobes. They didn't have like, oh man, I was looking and for the color palette for the fall, it is earth tones. And I don't have enough earth tones, so I'm going out and I'm going, there's a special at my favorite store and I get me the yellows or I don't, I mean, as you can tell, I have no fashion sense at all. <laughs> but if you had fashion sense, like there's different styles. I have a daughter who's 14. I'm learning all sorts about how the fashion has changed. She's like, oh, no, no, those jeans are out. I'm like, man, jeans are jeans. Like. But I realize there's all different cuts and styles and the whole thing. How many of you made it through the skinny jeans phase? Don't raise your hand. It's embarrassing now. <laughs> you know I'm supposed to be wearing, skinny jeans. Even if you're skinny, don't wear skinny jeans. <laughs> I have no clue why I'm talking about this. Again, I have no fashion sense. Jesus talking at a time where people didn't have any clothes and people would give their outer garments as a down payment if they borrowed something and by law, they had to give it back because they'd freeze in the middle of the night without it. The whole culture was different. And so we read this like, oh, but it was so much easier 2,000 years ago. No, it wasn't. It was way harder. It's way easier today, and I'm not diminishing life, but Jesus over and says, "Listen, don't worry about your life. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat. You don't have to worry about what you're going to put on." Why? He says, "Because your life is more than food, and your body is more than clothing. There's more going on here than what you're thinking about." Listen to Psalm 37, verses one to eight, on the simple idea: just don't worry. It says, "Do not fret." because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, do not fret, it only causes harm. If that was in the King James Bible, it would be freakest thou not. Don't freak out. Now, but if you think about all the worry, one of the main drivers of fear and worry right now is politically driven. Now, you realize what a gift we have in America, because every four years, you have even the potential option of getting new people there. And even if the person you don't want to be there gets in again, it's only like eight years and then you're on to new people. You realize that for the children of Israel, they had no say. I mean, they had been under Babylonian rule, then they'd been under Medo-Persian rule, then they were under Greek rule. And now at the time of Jesus, they'd been under Roman rule for about 70 years at that point. They had no say in what went on. Zero. There was no elections, They got who they got because that's what it was. So it's amazing that you realize that like, because we have the potential of change, for some reason it ends up playing out as even more fear and worry. Where these, they didn't have, Jesus like, hey, listen, but don't worry. In the Psalm, don't fret because of evildoers. How many of us are overcome with worry because of all the evil we see in the world? You gotta just grab Psalm 37, verses one and eight, you gotta do battle with it. God is saying, don't worry about this. It only causes harm, not to the evildoers, to us. Listen to Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, In the prophet Isaiah, God is grounding our hope in the future with the fact that God is with us, that He is our God, that He will help and He will strengthen, and He's gonna hold us with His righteous right hand. So, you see how in the face of fear and worry, we have to learn how to grab these scriptures and pray through them. How do I stand on those scriptures? Maybe you need to start taking these scriptures and putting them on your phone as an alert that they pop up every 10 minutes. Writing them on an index card. putting it on your bathroom mirror. I was hanging out with someone recently I got in their car and there was a scripture like on their dashboard. And I was like, right on. Because what it means is someone's doing some battle. Someone's like, I need to stand on this. See, we win the battle against fear and worry when we start fighting the battle. How many of us need to write down, do not worry about your life? Put down it is Matthew chapter six, verse 25. It's interesting when you look at the research on this from the scientific community. And I'm not a doctor or a scientist at all. I'm just really curious about things. A lot of people like to say that worry is the mental component. Stress is when the mental component becomes physical. The effects of worry become stress on the body. That's why heart disease is linked to stress It's your body's responding to the worry, so it's releasing cortisol and all these things, and adrenaline, and you go on that long enough, and that becomes detrimental to your health. And then anxiety is actually like almost like a complex of the mental and the physical that goes on for a long, long time, and then you create what we call kind of clinical anxiety. And so you realize that it starts in our heads, but then it becomes a full-scale bodily human experience. I was reading at the World Health Organization said that in the last three years, with all that's been going on, worry and anxiety is up about 30% globally. So we're seeing an acceleration in this. And so for us, we need to make sure, okay, Lord, teach me how not to worry. And what Jesus does in this text here is he teaches us how we know that we don't have to worry if we're gonna fight the battle. And it's simply because we need to learn from nature. We need to learn from nature. Jesus talking about two of the main things. What am I going to eat, and what am I going to wear? And not because the people in Jesus' day were fashion conscious. It was just like, you know, back in the day, clothes wasn't for fashion. It was for protection. Your clothes were there to protect you from the elements. It's kind of why people are hairy, too. It's fascinating. It's like God knew, we need, and that's why God knows I'm supposed to be in the Arctic or something. You know what I mean? Just put a bunch of fur on there, keep you warm. It's good to go. But there's so much that we can learn from nature. And so as it relates to these things, really what we see for food, he's like, I want you to look at the birds. And for clothing, I want you to look at the flowers, the lilies. Because really what he says, is, he's like, okay, you're gonna worry about food. He's like, I want you to look at the birds of the air, he says. And what does he say about them? He's like, it's beautiful. They don't sow nor reap nor do they gather into barns. So the idea is you've never seen, a, like how many of you have birds around your, around your house? Go ahead, everyone raise your hand. It's the Northwest, you all got birds around. How many of you have like ever had like all of a sudden there's stakes in the ground and the birds are like sowing worms and, and they got a scare bird there to keep you away? You know what I mean? So, and they're just like, man, I'm doing, I'm tilling some worms so I can make sure that I can feed all my peoples. They don't sow or reap, so they're not trying to create food. And they don't have a storehouse of like old worms that they can eat. So every day for the birds, it's like, I have to go find food, plain and simple. They don't have any of the technology we have, all of the ways to get at it. But what he says here is so simply profound because he says, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He's like, look, the birds get fed every single day because my heavenly father feeds them. Do you think God cares about you less than the birds? So he's saying, you can look at the birds. The birds are an example of God's provision for sustenance. And then he moves on, and he moves into this idea of clothing. And again, it's so simple. He's like, verse 28, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. He says to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So he's saying, when you look at the lilies, the lilies don't have a lily seamstress or a phenomenal fashion designer where the lilies, like, they show up and like, man, I've been saving for a month. I want me pink. And he's like, no, they don't toil nor spend. They're not creating this stuff. But yet even Solomon, who was the great king in the history of Israel, in all of his glory was not nearly as beautiful as one of these flowers. And isn't it true? Like, I mean, it was just a fashion week in New York. Don't look at the pictures, trust me. You know, I'm looking at it, it's like, a man, like, no one's like, man, this is just so beautiful. There was a whole, like, electrical tape thing that went on. That's why I don't look it up. I'm a New York sports fan, so I got to see what's going on. I'm like, man, so this is fashion week. Someone with electrical tape. I'm like, man, they could have been here in Washington. We've been doing that for years. (laughs) It's the world that we live in where you're like, no, how many of you ever seen a field of flowers and it's so beautiful? If you're a fashion designer, God bless you. Just don't use electrical tape, please. We'll leave that for the electrical, okay? You put clothes on. But anyway, in all of our ingenuity, God just naturally closed the lilies of the field. And so, really, what we learn here is that nature teaches us a simple truth that God will take care. That God will take care. And of course, when you think of the lilies or you think of the birds, it reminds me of Psalm 150, verse six, which says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I pray that when you see the birds, you stop and you remember they're not sowing or reaping. They don't have like a second freezer in the garage like many of us do, but God feeds them. They're an example and a testimony of God's provision. When you see a flower, I pray that we are the type of people who stop and smell the flowers and admire their beauty because we realize They didn't have to go to the the mall or their favorite online outlet to look like that. God made them that way. And of course, Joshua says this way, Joshua chapter one, verse nine, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. So as it relates to the most essential things, he says, don't worry, and you can learn from nature. Now, in the middle of all this, it's so beautiful, because you just thought, look, verse 27, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Such a fascinating idea. He's saying, the idea of adding one cubit to his stature, like, which one of you, by worrying, can change something like, how tall am I? I mean, listen, if it came down to, you could gain inches by worrying, we'd all be in the NBA at this point, Right? because it's like if you look back on your life all the what-ifs all the could happens all the things that freaked us out that's what I learned about all of the worrying and fearing that I've done is that almost none of it has ever happened you no know, some of you are like well no but some of my stuff happened and that is true but the bulk of it has not come to pass yeah sure some things have but the bulk of it hasn't. There's a matrix that I learned many years ago. and I talk about this in the book because I thought it was so profound that it's like, as it relates to whatever makes me fearful or worrying, the first question is, is, can I change it? Now, if I look at it and it says, I can change it, then guess what? I have a responsibility to change it. I am getting control of what is freaking me out. I have to change it. I have the responsibility to say, this is what's worrying me. So so let me give you an example. As God is working in my life, I was such a wild kid and adult. I was a wild adult until I got saved. So I've always been like a thrill seeker. But then when you get saved, what I learned is that so much of my thrill seeking was just sinful. And I'm not allowed to do that stuff anymore. So now I have to find like, holy thrill seeking opportunities. I'm just confessing, pray for me. Pray for my wife, really, my poor bride, you know? I find myself wanting my gas light to come on in my car. (laughs) Just because it adds like a little spice to the driving experience. Because you're driving and you're like, and sometimes I'm like, I wonder how far I can go on. And I have one of those cars now where it actually kind of tells you how many miles you have left to go. And I'm like, I wonder if it really shuts off at zero. It's wrong, maybe a little bit strange, but it's like, these are the things that I have to do for fun at this point in my life, you know? Like, I want to, like, what's going to happen? But then what I realize is that when it gets down to about five or four miles, then I start thinking, What's gonna happen if I break down? You know, and then I I just know how it is. I'll be broken down all of a sudden, like one of you guys will roll up. Oh, now if I even told the story, now people be like, oh, Fusco, we're gonna leave you here for a while. You know what I mean? Like if you're broken down, you deserve, you just let that thing run down to zero. Good on you. Enjoy your day, Fusco. We're praying for you, you know. And then all of a sudden I get anxious. You know, I'm like, oh, I better find a gas station. And hopefully I know where the gas stations are and there's enough of them around. That's not normally too bad. But every once in a while, I'll catch myself in a spot. I'm like, I don't know where the next gas station is. And it's getting tight. That's something that I can control, right? Now, some of you would say, Fusco, what is wrong with you? You know what I mean? But I have control. I can go stop at the gas station. I can get gas way before. I don't have to worry about it. So if I can control it, then I have responsibility to change it and I make the change and then I trust God in the journey. But if I can't control it, what should I do? Trust God, because I have no control over it. See, either way you land at, if you can make a change, you make it, and then you trust God. And if you can't, then you just trust God, and you can't change anything. But the key is, is either way, you're still trusting God in the journey. And that's part of what this is. Which one of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? None of us can. What I always like to tell people is that worry and fear does not change my situation. It changes me and my situation. It changes my ability to see what God may be doing in the midst of it all. So you got to learn from nature. But then what's powerful about this, and I'm going to bring this to a close, and obviously, like, how can you talk about this extensively in 35 minutes? What he says in verse 31 is very, very powerful. He says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after... All of these things the Gentiles seek. Speaking of the non-believers. All the non-believers want the same thing. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, really what Jesus says is, instead of worrying you and I, we need to invest that energy in the right place. Instead of worrying about all these things, God knows what we need. So instead, what do we do? We should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So he's saying, listen, the energy that we invest in fear and worry is actually misplaced activity. That what God wants us to do is instead of worrying, he wants us to seek first the kingdom of God and the character of God. And really what this speaks about, it speaks about desiring above all to enter into, to submit, and to participate in God's world. To enter into it, to submit to it, and to participate within that. Now, if you think about the kingdom of God and his righteousness, in your mind, it should go all the way back towards the beginning of Matthew chapter six in the model prayer that we call the our father prayer really what he's saying is that instead of worrying we should be investing our energy in the first three petitions in that prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name that's the first one that god's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven those are the first three petitions First, that God's name would be hallowed, would be set apart, declared as holy, that God's name would be revered and respected and honored in the totality of our life. Second, that God's kingdom would come. Seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is wherever God reigns, not only in reality, but in experience. And as a follower of Jesus, the kingdom of God should be in your heart.
1: is it's such a comfort to know that when life has got you down and it feels like it's never going to change god is always available to give you the strength to get through those difficulties pastor daniel's teaching today made it clear that the bible says over and over that god's got your back when you work on living life god's way it's an encouragement to the people around you as well as a testimony to them of God's care for you. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you
0: for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own
1: copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel begins the next teaching titled Thriving in Stressful Seasons. He'll be reminding you that being a Christian doesn't guarantee a magic carpet ride of peace and prosperity. Following Jesus does give you access to the God who knows the answer to your questions before you ask them and is always ready to help you work your way through life. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, you're going to make it. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.